Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. It is Monday, October 10th, and this is People Every Day. Hello there, everyone. It's me, Janine Rubenstein. I hope you all enjoyed yourself this weekend. I took a little trip to Vegas with my best friend. And you guys, Vegas never disappoints. We got to see Mary J. Blige do her thing in concert. I am still humming No More Drama. And got to check out the Van Gogh and Princess Diana exhibits. Just a beautiful bestie weekend. And speaking of friends, I'd like to give a shout out to my friend and colleague, Rianne Heldman, for holding down hosting duties for me last Friday. Wasn't she great? Well, since it's Indigenous People's Day, we have a special show focused on preserving and protecting this little place I like to call home, Earth. We are sitting down with Blackish alum and climate change activist Marcus Scribner to talk about his new film and how climate change affects Black and Indigenous communities. But first, ABC News' chief meteorologist Ginger Z is joining the show to discuss some of the extreme weather we're facing due to the changing climate. I am a big fan of her work and very excited to have her on. So let's dive right in. If you've been keeping up with headlines lately, you know that there has been a string of wild weather events. And I am here with an expert in all things weather right now. Good Morning America's meteorologist, Ginger Z, as she sits down with me to discuss what it was like covering Hurricane Ian and the practical things she does to address the climate crisis our world is facing. So, hey, Ginger, welcome to the podcast. Hey, this is my favorite two subjects, weather and climate. Absolutely. You were on the ground in Florida when Ian touched down. So how did that storm compare to other recent hurricanes that have made landfall in the U.S.? And as hurricane season is still in full force, like what do you see upcoming on the horizon? I've had the unique opportunity of covering storms from Katrina on. Katrina was my first big storm to cover, and what a first. I I hope nothing will ever feel or look like that. I was in Gulfport for that storm where the bulk of the surge actually happened, where the main part of the surge. I always thought nothing's going to come close. It better not to what that felt like in Katrina. And unfortunately, in the last couple of years, I've had several others, uh, you know, and they're all unique and they all have their own footprint. But when you see death like this, and when you're there and when you've done this several times, I don't think it gets easier. And so there's a level of almost responsibility that I feel to really work on my why. I've always done this, number one, it was because I fell in love with weather as a kid. I just wanted to put together the puzzle of the atmosphere. That was my why. After Katrina, I realized, oh my gosh, this isn't about science only, but where that meets compassion and humanity. And my new why is, how can I help do the rescue before the rescue? Obviously, I'm there, sometimes for days in advance. I'm ready to go door to door and be like, hi, I'm Ginger. Let me tell you what eight feet of water can do. I don't know what else to do. Uh, It all begs the question about global warming. At one point, a very hot button topic. I mean, some of that discourse has died down just with all of the clear and present situations we find ourselves in. I mean, there's wildfires, the glaciers melting, unprecedented flooding, these tornadoes. What's your take on climate change? And from your perspective, 
How bad is it right now? So the science of climate change has not really changed since the 1970s. We've known the physics of it. When we put greenhouse gas emissions, CO2, methane, these things up into the atmosphere, they create a blanket, they trap heat. That part's super simple. That's why it was always strange that people would not believe in some of the most simple science, right? And the word belief was used for something that was a proven science. Now, where people really have trouble and where I've seen, even in the 20-some years that I've studied this, I've seen great attribution studies and so much more emphasis put on this where we can say, of course, the world has always changed. It's definitely been in the Earth's history far hotter than it is right now because our Earth goes through cycles. That's true. Nobody's saying that's not true. What we're saying is that human-induced climate change, the part that we started spewing a bunch of stuff out 150 years ago, that is the only thing that links with the really quick and really intense rise in temperature that's happening right now. In these warming times of past, it happened more moderately at a slower pace. Like, it's us, you know? Like, most of that is where no one is confused. Where it then gets really political is, is okay, what do we do about it? And that's allowed to be political because people are allowed to have their own sense of how much they would like to help or not help a situation or whatever it is. Every scientist says we need to rapidly get away from fossil fuels, and that is the quickest, biggest dent we can make in our emissions, which is warming the planet. So when it comes to like drought, heat, and extreme cold, those are high confidence connection and high attribution rates to climate change. When you get into severe thunderstorms, tornadoes, tropical storms, and hurricanes, that's more in the middle but there certainly are some links and there are plenty of studies I can talk about specific to those. So this is a science. It will always grow. We won't ever know everything. And the more data we get, the more we're going to be able to help. Well, growing up, I thought being a meteorologist was a fairly safe job. Like, you know, you're there, there's a green screen every now and then there's some rain and you go out in your raincoat. But I see it now and I'm like, oh my goodness, these people are risking their lives. So I'm just wondering for you, what is your breaking point, I guess. Like, when do you say no? Or no, I'm I'm not going into that. I, I have a family. Yeah. One big difference, I think, in who I am is, you know, I grew up loving weather. I fell in love with the atmosphere and the puzzle that was the atmosphere. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do with that because I was eight when I first figured that out. But when I saw the movie Twister, it gave me the image, you know, of, of a woman who was this badass, who was leading the charge and chasing tornadoes and studying them. And I was like, oh, that's it. Now, thank you, Hollywood, because that wasn't happening in real life. And women in this science, like many women in different sciences, have had a much more difficult ride than I think Joe, Helen Hunt's character, did. Um, But thank goodness, because that showed me and lots of other people that this might just be a possibility. So I actually went to school to study storm chasing. I got college credit to chase tornadoes. So there was never a point where I didn't intend to be out in a storm. And so when I did get into television, then I already had that chasing tornadoes experience. And that was attractive to a news director. And what a lot of television stations and networks used to do is they would go after. But I had learned how to chase storms safely in college. I had learned how to respect the distance, respect nature, and conservatively chase so that you could forecast it. And then when I came to ABC, they said, what would you change about how we do things? And I said, I wouldn't just damage chase. I would be there before, during, and after. And that's what we've done. And I will say, you said, what's your breaking point? There's never any 
time in my life where I've said, I came here so I can get hurt. Like, that's not what I'm there for. I was in an eye wall of a cat five in Hurricane Michael. And a lot of other people were afraid for me, but I made sure to do all my due diligence of understanding what building I was going to be in, what the code was, what the windows and doors could handle. And I felt safe, you know, in this storm. I'm, I'm also not one that will go out. Like when the, when the gusts hit 70, I'm out of there. I don't stand outside. And the family, is there like a mommy's going to be okay, everything's going to be okay, you guys, moment that happens? My kids are at the age where they're like, how fast was it? (laughs) (laughs) I think they're they're less concerned about me, more like, how strong was that hurricane? (laughs) And my older son, is a he's just a more anxious person as a personality. And I always tell him the one thing, and this is how a lot of people become meteorologists, is like they're scared as a kid. So what I tell him is, is the really easy kid thing is, don't be scared, be prepared. Like have your education, know what you're doing, but understand that nature's bigger than you. Wow, it's so funny how different people can be. I I watched Twister and I was like, I would never do that. <laughs> and you were like, yeah, that, that's my career. I love that. Well, just, just lastly, I mean, we're focusing on on the environment today with the show. So I'm just wondering, what are some of the things that, that you've changed, that you've done, or that you're even considering doing to just help that footprint. You know, you hear it all the time, but voting really does matter. Voting for people who believe or want to utilize your beliefs in what you'd like to preserve on the planet or reduce emissions, you got to vote for them. And it takes work to get educated about that. So there's that. And then we can vote another way. And that's with our dollar. Our dollar, where we spend it, has huge value. For example, there's a face lotion that I've used for quite a while and I really like it, but I look, I noticed they're not using post-consumer recycled plastic. They don't have a great environmental policy. And so I wrote them a DM, I emailed them, and then I gave them a phone call. And I was like, hey, do you have any plans to do this? What's your plan? And they didn't. And I thought, well, this is where I changed where I put my dollar. And this is a big company. They could do it. If anybody could do it, they could do it. And then I'd say on a personal level, I am not just me and my family. So whatever you're practicing on an individual level, don't be embarrassed or shy about taking it elsewhere, educating people about what you've learned. I love that all of that you just said is just so practical as well. So I appreciate you you sharing that. But <laughs> Ginger, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Coming up, we are joined by Gronish actor Marcus Scribner, and we discuss his passionate fight to stop climate change and his new heist film that recently premiered at the Toronto Film Festival, How to Blow Up a Pipeline. But first, we are joined by the founder of POP, 16-year-old Anna Duvall. POP stands for Promote Our Pollinators and is an environmental program designed to educate our community about the importance of pollinators. Yeah, the bees. (laughs) Right after the break, we sit down with Anna to hear why this cause won't stop buzzing around in her head. We'll be right back. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In honor of International Day of the Girl, which is tomorrow, October 11th, People is featuring five young women who are showing how they are making a real difference in the world. Today, we are welcoming to the show 16-year-old Anna Kathleen Duvall, who is the founder of POP, P-O-P, Promote Our Pollinators, an environmental program designed to educate our community about the importance of bees and why their numbers are declining, while providing ways to promote their population growth and inspiring the next generation to be good stewards of our natural resources. So joining me now is this inspiring girl who is changing the world. Anna, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. First of all, Anna, tell us about you and how POP came about and what made you want to start this organization My family has always been committed to serving our community. Throughout my life, we dedicated time to delivering meals and comfort to families in need. We made regular visits to assisted living facilities and helped maintain our church's facilities. And it was because of these values instilled in me from a young age. So I'm a gardener. And one day, four years ago, I was taking care of my plants when I noticed four bumblebees all clumped together on the same sunflower. And as the summer went on, I kept noticing all the pollinators that they attracted, and it made me curious. What did they do? And why did they like my sunflowers so much? So I did some research into pollinators, and I discovered how crucial they are to the creation of food and the sustainability of plants. According to the United Nations, pollinators are responsible for the reproduction of over 75% of our food crops and 90% of all flowering plants. But sadly, these amazing creatures' numbers are declining at an alarming rate. The Science Times estimated that about 90% of the total bee population has been completely eradicated. When I learned that these amazing creatures were in such serious danger, I decided to do something about it. So I sat down at the kitchen table and started to think, how could I help pollinators in my community? And the result of that question was pop from other pollinators. So if you want to because I do, get started and and start this pollinator garden right now. What are the flowers? What do you suggest planting? Well, my pollinator packs have nasturtiums, zinnias, asters, stock, forget-me-nots, and dwarf sunflowers. Those are all plants that were specially selected for how good they are for pollinators, for their different bloom times. So all throughout the summer, into the fall, pollinators will have a food source. Those are a great place to start. So what advice do you have for other young people who want to get involved and have a voice when it comes to climate change and environmental issues? And specifically, what can they do with POP? So I strongly believe that youth should be involved in environmental action because we are the generation whose future will be affected by the choices of today. My advice is to find something that you're passionate about, no matter how small, and see how you can use it to change the world. And for people who are interested in learning more about POP, I also have a Facebook page. I have a website. Feel free to check those out. I have lots of tips on how to to help your pollinators through that. I'm going to definitely head over to your page. But lastly, just who inspires you in this space? Who do you look up to and hope to work with maybe one day? 
I just look up to all the young people out there who are making a difference. It's what gave me the courage to start my own program, to develop my pollinator packs, develop my curriculum kits, give those plant-to-take presentations. A lot of those things were, were pretty scary at first, but those were the people I looked up to to find the courage to do that. And here I am. <laughs> well, thank you so much for, for being on the show with us. And, and you can read more about Anna and other girls changing the world on people.com. Thanks so much, Anna. Thank you. As climate change is the topic of our show today, we cannot speak about it without speaking about its devastating effect on marginalized communities. There have been landmark studies by the EPA proving that climate change overwhelmingly impacts the underserved. This conversation is important and is finally being had as activists and organizations across the country are helping to raise the voices of those who are unable to prepare for or even recover from climate disasters like heat waves, poor air quality, and disastrous, severe weather events. Joining us today is someone who is becoming a voice for this needed change. You may know him from his role as the eldest son on Blackish, his latest role on Grownish, or even this podcast. Please welcome friend of the show, Marcus Scrivener. Welcome back, Marcus. Thank you for having me back. Well, before we get to your new environmentally conscious film and, and all that you have going on in entertainment, I want to find out just more from you why climate change, climate crisis is just so important to you, and how you first learned about these studies that are looking into the Black and Indigenous communities. I think it's it's hard for us not all to be affected by climate change on a regular basis. We have record high temperatures during the winter, we've got hurricanes, we've got poor water quality, things that happen in underprivileged areas and predominantly areas filled with people of color. And it's just hard to not kind of be upset by all of it and kind of want to enact your own change or say something about it. It's so sad of like how the world has been shifting in our lifetimes. And I think it's up to our generation now. It's on our shoulders to kind of create the change that we want to see and change the world. And I think the, the Thompson Main Incubator Program that I've been fortunate enough to partner with is one of those launch pads into the future. Tell me about that. Five million change makers will be chosen through the Tom's of Maine Incubator Program. You can submit your application at tomsofmainincubator.com and these five young change makers will be chosen. They'll be given $20,000 in funding each. They'll be given leadership from environmental leaders and a platform to make their ideas and creativity heard. And, you know, Tom's of Maine is a group that's just been doing great things for such a long time. And it's, it's really cool to finally be able to partner up with them and, and work on a project that hits so close to home growing up in obviously a BIPOC community and allowing a, a future generation to be able to, to exercise their ideas and to create the change that I want to see in the world and that all of us want to see. So what are some of the things that you do and what would you advise some of the younger listeners listening, anyone listening really, to kind of implement into their lives? It takes all of us taking our own individual steps to actually create any sort of difference we want to see in the world. Obviously, recycling, buying more glass bottles and reusable containers, walking places as much as possible, biking, reducing your footprint. And I mean, I know a lot of people are opposed to change and it's like, these are, are such small habits that you can change in your daily life to, I think, create big change if we, if we all started to get behind them and do them. 
or how to blow up a pipeline. Mm-hmm. Talk about big change. <laughs> that is the name of your film that premiered at the Toronto Film Festival and looks like it is headed for the big screen. The mission of this film, it sounds like, is to depict and kind of inspire climate activism. So can you share with us the story and, and why the timing for its release is so important? Our goal is to really inspire a generation to, to take action. There's a group of young people who have been horribly affected by climate change and the actions of a lot of greedy individuals that have created negative climate situations. They want to take a step towards change and they enact, I mean, I'll admit, a very extreme event to, to do so. My character, Sean, I felt very closely connected to also environmental activists or somebody who wants to create the change that I want to see in the world gets this group together and they they go out to do it. And now we're not inciting anybody to go out and blow a pipeline or do anything like that. I think more of the messaging behind it is we need to take dramatic action now and we need to make sure that it sticks if we want to be around on the planet in five years. Before I, I let you go, though, I want to just check in with you. We are in the midst of the new season of Grown-ish and you're doing films and you've got the activism and it just seems like life after Blackish is looking pretty golden, right? It is, yeah. So far, yeah, Grunge has been fantastic. Obviously, we just had our, our season finale, which was very exciting. And yeah, just me personally working with Tom's Made Incubator. Again, Incubator.com. Make sure you guys sign up. I thought Blackish is looking pretty swell. Just started my own production company. Our goal is to help uplift voices people of color and create films that that inspire. Just finished producing my first film. I just have so many ideas and goals and things that I want to accomplish. So it's like, got to hit the ground running. So I'm very thankful for the, the platform and everything that I've learned from, from Blackish and all of my fellow castmates. I love it. I love it all. Marcus, we are always so happy to have you on the show. Thank you so much for being with us again today. Thank you so much for having me back. We have one final story for you, and we hope it's just something to make you smile on this Indigenous People's Day. Marine Colonel Nicole Mann has made history. Mann was part of a four-member crew to blast off from Florida last week to spend time on the International Space Station, becoming the first Native American woman to travel into space. According to NASA, Mann has been in the astronaut program since 2013, and as mission commander, she oversees all aspects of flight, everything from takeoff to re-entry. Mann, a member of the Wallachie of the Round Valley tribes in California, said she hopes future generations of Native Americans can feel inspired by her mission and told the BBC she hopes it, quote, will inspire young Native American children to follow their dreams and realize that some of those barriers that are there or used to be there are being broken down. I just love that so much. Always love seeing women and especially women of color breaking barriers and, you know, sound barriers, I guess, too. (laughs) That's our show for today. Thanks for kicking off the week with us. And I'll chat with you all again tomorrow on People Every Day.